Hey everybody, it's Mario here, host, or one half of the host of the Peaky Pod, alongside... The other half of your host, Zachary. Welcome. Hey, well, thanks for listening to this episode. This is the first time we actually do a pre-roll ad, and you'll probably hear it one more time at the end. But we'd just like to announce an upcoming show that we are planning called the Story Archive Show. We plan on that being our kind of hub for doing one-off uh, reviews of movies and maybe specific episodes of TV shows that are on our gauntlet or thanos gauntlet of Mm -hmm. the greatest tv shows ever and uh we want to invite you to subscribe we're going to put the links in there but if you don't want to go to the show notes just type in spotify or apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts the story archive show and we should pop up so please subscribe follow us and uh let us know how you're liking the peaky pod we hope you enjoy this episode and take care thank you Welcome back to another fantastic episode of The Peaky Pod by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario, alongside a very cardigan-wearing man on the other side of this Google Meet call. Yeah, yeah. That's me, Zachary. Zachary. That's Zach. Zachary, yeah. That's <laughs> just glossed over my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, somebody's got to say your name, man. I did. I just said it. What are you talking about? Oh, I was getting to it uh, whatever. sooner. I was excited. I was excited to say it. <laughs> I'll just let you run those intros. Bit. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, is it just me or re-watching this? I mean, somebody's probably watching this for the first time, but we are I watching never had it. season like the 20th. three. Yeah, yeah. I, this is honestly, honestly, like my uh, fourth rewatch of Peaky Blinders, at least. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember season three being this jam-packed with just goodness me neither goodness conflict and like there's a lot of nuanced stuff going on it definitely sets the tone for the later seasons Mm -hmm. and i do want to be cautious because i know some of our listeners are probably watching peaky but maybe some of them are watching peaky blinders for the first time and they want to just watch episode by episode so i don't want to speak and let go of information that they don't know of yet. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. I had a few moments when I was watching this episode and I saw so many dots connecting and I'm like, oh, I can't say anything about it. Yeah, and I got to say, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this episode, I hope you've watched episode two, but you shouldn't be here if you haven't. So I'm going to just say this whole episode is a giant setup gut punch. Like, it sets you up. The previous episode is Tommy and Grace's wedding. And then this episode, it's not even not even two episodes later. It's the next episode, yeah. Grace is shot. Uh-huh. Like, talk about a rough bit of uh like they set you up. They give you a happy family outing moment at the end. Yep. A lot of stuff going on here. Um I mean, I had to pause several times just to take notes. Usually I'm just firing off notes as I go. <laughs> Um, but this one had a lot of political machinations going on, specifically with the introduction of the Economic League, which I got to say is the creepiest of crews that Tommy has had to deal with so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hughes is definitely a pedo. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and you know, I, de- I never picked up on that rewatching on other rewatches. Um, I, it never really stood out to me, but 
Tommy throws shade at him several times in this episode. Like, mm-hmm. you can see Tommy's disgust with him. Yep. And then I noticed it, all, like, in his first meeting with Hughes and then also with the dog. He says, let's call it boy. I bet you love your boy, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. When he said that, I was like, oh, I, I never noticed this in the previous rewatches. But you you find out, like, these little, you know, details of of each of these characters and they become more despicable because the worst part is is that they're not only despicable but mm-hmm. it also feels like Tommy's completely over his head in dealing with these people. They send a message to his son which is disgusting. It's just uh, they left a note that said crematorium in there and <laughs> like R.I.P. Charlie. I mean, they have no... They're like the Russians, right? They are the Russians. They're like the Russians that in the previous episode Tommy is getting business contact with the Russians on his wedding day. Yeah. And then this one, they're literally threatening his son, like his literal one-year-old, two-year-old son. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's getting darker. That's for sure. I'll tell you this. And there was parts in this episode where I'm thinking to myself, I know you're ambitious, but having to deal with these snobs and these people that you start climbing up this political ladder that he's, Tommy's going up mm-hmm. right now. It's a tough pill to swallow. Now, I know he's doing this on behalf of Churchill and the Crown, but nonetheless, it's a it's a lot. Now, I want to pause for a second and um, kind of like get into the episode recap. Now, a lot going on, but let's talk uh, general impressions of the second episode for you uh, in terms of you know remembering when you first watched it and then now kind of comparing it now to your rewatch. It's much better this time around than i ever remember i always remember seasons three and four for me being my least favorite not that they were bad i just i always remember them as my least favorite but upon rewatch i really i really like the things and i I can appreciate the things that this is setting up for the uh for the future episodes future seasons but there are some things in this episode that uh you caught me by surprise especially with like tommy's reaction um to, oh, to what yeah. John Boy did, I was sitting there and I was just like, "Wait, what?" I don't yeah, remember even on that. Like a, even on this rewatch, I forgot that Tommy was technically more on John Boy's side. Yeah, he was which, like a hundred percent on John Boy's side with that thing. Yeah, which honestly, there's not many times that I disagree with Tommy That's in one. terms of his tactics, but this particular episode, I disagreed with him on that one. I thought that was a huge mistake that he was going down that path I'm, but I'm, I'm wondering if we have that opinion though because we, we have a retrospect on the situations so no i think i think it's just handling it with the way the father the father changreta came over mm-hmm. it was very much in peace yeah I, it I wasn't in that. it was just even arthur when he saw the way john boy said he would put a bullet in both his kneecaps mm-hmm. even arthur looks at john like what are you doing well, arthur was pissed off at that point you know i i I, I think what John Boy did made no sense, right? Like I really, it I really it, don't. But maybe you, was it a jealousy thing because he used to be with Lizzie? Probably. I do think though that once you've uh, once you've kind of stepped that far, like maybe Tommy just didn't have any other option but to be like, all right, well, you know, we went I, this that, far, may as well go all the way. That's where I was going with it. Yeah. Is that John Boy kind of took that card out of his hand? Mm-hmm. The, the the card was to say, hey apologies to your son whatever you Mm -hmm. know that was the play 
uh maybe not even apologize but just say yeah he's free to do whatever he wants to do go for it yeah uh we're whatever yeah you know you're in charge you can you can do what you want when they own the city like that so they can they don't have to do what tommy said where if you apologize it's like removing one brick by brick mm-hmm. and the whole house comes down but uh, i thought it was more tommy has so much other shit going on that he couldn't deal with a war and so he needs to send a message and send it quick to nip that problem in the butt yeah. right now but in doing so, uh, Grace gets shot as a as a direct result of John's actions to cut Changreta's son. <laughs> I don't know if you thought about it that way, no. but it's direct result. He only hires that guy because he's outside the hospital, and you literally hear his son screaming in agony in the background. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do that if they make peace. That's true. That's true. So Grace lives without John Boy's mistake interesting right that it that is very interesting i didn't catch that i do i would also question you know is he is he really doing things this early on in the season for winston churchill like i don't know if we've crossed that bridge yet we we knew at the oh, end yeah. of the last season that churchill would call upon him but i haven't re- like I, I just don't recall this being part of he he never mentions it who mentions it is grace in episode one of season three mm. when she's talking to Polly. And she goes and tells uh, that, that's when Polly was kind of rubbing it in her face that you know gotcha. Tommy doesn't trust her, and then Grace was kind of saying, "We just came downstairs, we were having sex, and then he told me um, that they're the whole plot was essentially that they're trying to support the Russian royalists mm-hmm. who are trying to fight the communists, uh, and they're trying to supply them weapons. Yeah. Churchill supporting it, but the, he has to be secret because the government's against Got it. Got it. Okay. Blah 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 blah. So this is the Churchill mich- uh, mission. It's just we haven't seen Churchill. Got it. Yeah, I, that, that's what kind of threw me off a bit. But all right. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was my my, my takeaway from this episode. That's only really uh, obvious when you've rewatched it a few times. Mm-hmm. Because the political, like the, the complexity of some of the political plots are kind of hard to catch on a first watch through. Yeah. Um, even Tommy's plot, like Tommy's plot, if you remember the last episode, they talk about... Uh, you can start the episode again, by the way. Um, they talk about how he's gambling everything on this one big robbery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's just it's the way he goes. You can go 1.25. Alrighty. We start the episode with Tommy sending a message to a man named Nutley, which his name is kind of irrelevant, but he's the manager of a factory. And Tommy is interested in what it are in a three specific bays he's looking for military vehicles that they're going to try to supply to the russian royalist now it's interesting did you notice in basics he kind of has a bout of ptsd like he almost can't go inside the tank and has to wash his face off mm. with some water and uh there's a moment there where you can hear the the you know the that sound like that high-pitched ringing in the ears and oh yeah uh he has a moment like that when he steps out of the tank he actually has two moments like that in this episode where that moment with the military vehicles mm-hmm. as well as when Scotland Yard arrests him and Hughes comes to his cell and uh, does that. Now, following his meeting with Nutley, he meets with... Uh, it's a great name, by the way. It is. I had to put as the title on top, Cracking a Nutley. <laughs> and uh, to- Tommy pulls a, Sopra- a Tony Soprano move in, in his in- uh, interaction with, uh, with Nutley. Because he's a honorable guy, like he doesn't want any business with the Peaky Blinders, but Tommy forces his hand, says, "Give me the keys," and he, you know, pretty much threatens to kill him if he doesn't cooperate. Yeah, 
and he refuses Tommy's money at the end, but Tommy still puts it in his pocket. And that's a classic Tony Soprano move <laughs> where it's 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 like a combination of two things. One, they want to have something over you, mm-hmm. but two, they want to feel like they also helped you a bit too. Like, hey, yeah. I helped you. And then kind of like, they, just not, they don't need to wave the carrot, but it's just like, mm-hmm. you're going to take the money because I say you're going to take the money. Yeah, exactly. And it's like a power play, you know? Uh-huh. Now, uh, enter Father Hughes here. I don't know if this is his first meeting with Hughes. This is the first time I think I've seen him in here. Yeah, I thought he was in the previous episode, or am I wrong? I think he was in the previous episode, but I don't think... I don't know if he was ever introduced to Tommy yet. Mm. Well, he meets with Tommy, and uh, he is the go-between between between the Economic League and... I guess they're called Section D, according to Tommy. Which is what he describes as businessmen, MPs, and former military men, Mm -hmm. army officers. Tommy's disgusted by this guy. You can see what I'm talking about where this guy is, you know. He's despicable. Yeah, he's beyond Campbell despicable. Yeah, This guy is, which is interesting, right? He's got like a fire burning behind his head in this scene, right? It's like the flames of hell. Okay, so he meets with Father Hughes, and they, they're being stood up by the other men who are supposed to show up. But in the meeting with Hughes, it's more of a kind of a report. Tommy gives a report that the armor vehicles are in good condition, which seems to be the, the point of the meeting, as well as Hughes giving him a meeting to go to mm-hmm. with the Romanovs, right? Yeah. Now... They're just essentially power playing Tommy. It's letting him know that they control him, right? Yeah. What's not clear to me here is whether Churchill is working with Section D because these guys are despicable. I don't know if Churchill is trying to infiltrate them and Tommy's his spy or if these are also guys who are working under the same plot. Hmm. I don't know. I wouldn't know what to describe these men as, but... Let's intro the Russians. We met Princess Tatiana, or Duchess, whatever the heck she is, uh, in the previous episode. And here we get the introduction to Leon Romanov, who is apparently a fake Romanov. He is a Georgian, and uh, he doesn't seem to like that very much when people mention that to him, as Tommy does <laughs> in this episode. Now, he the, our introduction to him is a servant running across a field with a plate of food mm-hmm. to a house. And the first thing he does is complain about the food being cold. Yeah. You or know, the platter being cold. It, it, I don't know why. I don't know what the relevance is. But John John Boy and Arthur, I think it was Arthur, did the same thing with the, with the Shangrado meeting. Somebody brought with him touching, tea and he was like, it's cold. Touching the tea. And he threw it. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of a direction there to show that this guy Leon's in the wrong and also they were in the wrong with the way they treated uh, the Changretas. Maybe I didn't notice that bit. But we do see that this guy's kind of like this lazy slob, you know, his two of his meetings. Nobody wants to meet with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, we find out that the crown is having sympathy for, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Exiled royals. Yeah, something along right? those lines. Yeah, they've been exiled. I mean, they've been pushed out by the Bolshevik, mm-hmm. Bolsheviks in Russia. And uh, Tommy does a little bit of research on the guy. He goes to the library and, and reads up on him. We find out that I've actually paused the episode at that moment. Mm-hmm. 
where we see that Leon is actually known for his cruelty. He was one of the most hated royals in in the Bol- before the Bolshevik Revolution. Interesting. I I almost paused it, but I didn't. I didn't do it. I didn't want to stop the episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tommy mentions that he had another. He had other meetings in the day uh, when he was made the decision for him that he needed to go meet with uh, Romanov, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why this whole meeting goes wrong. I don't think Tommy allows this meeting with Chen Greta to happen without him being present. And so what happens is you have John Boy and Arthur being left to lead the meeting, which they have one job to do, keep the peace. Mm-hmm. And they start a war, you know, Literally. which leads to Tommy's wife being shot. John Boy now, starts the war. Yeah, it's like, it's illogical. It's just hot-headed and I don't understand his hatred of, I mean, I can understand his hatred for them, but there's a bigger picture at play, right? Yeah. And this is who Lizzie's alluding to who she was seeing. So they obviously had reason to break it up. Uh, Remember, they burned his restaurant because the whole bit is that they burned a restaurant down in his territory Mm -hmm. and that they're pressuring that Changreta's son cannot walk with uh, any woman he wants in the city. Now, you can kind of see that they're getting a, they're getting back a little bit. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah, it's the cold. Whole, it's cold yeah. with the tea. It feels like they're rubbing his nose in it a bit, that they're in control. They, I mean, they definitely are. 100%. I mean, everybody, like, he knows they're in control. He's paying them. There's no need for this. This is just complete overkill yeah it seems to be you know it's you're starting a war for no reason you're in time of peace you're dominating your Mm -hmm. your competition and you're here now just causing uh strife for no reason right yeah and arthur really should know better in this scene it's kind of his job here to step in and stop this nonsense from happening so he's maybe not as in as at fault as john because it would look weak if it, they showed that they disagreed with each other. Well, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. He can't stop him because it would it would appear as weakness. He and you can see he like keeps up the front like he's on John Boy's side until he leaves. And then he immediately turns on John Boy. Yeah, I wanted to know. I mean, obviously, it seems to be like a breaking of peace when you break a chair. Yeah, because you're breaking the chair that's at there at the table for you, right? So you no longer can take your seat at the table. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's the meaning. I didn't look it up, but that's probably why Arthur tells uh, tells them to clean it up and don't tell Tommy about the chair. Huh. Interesting. I could see that making sense. Yeah. It's funny because John Boy like immediately sort of regrets his, his approach. He's like, we're not scared of the, we're not scared of them, right? Mm-hmm. He, he seems like he regrets it for like a half a second, but this looks like it's a very touchy emotional subject for him. So I'm assuming this probably has to do with lizzie like you were saying earlier yeah it it doesn't just seem like seem like he's trying to be a big shot he was getting really pissed off we get an interesting look at tommy like in his preparation to meet somebody who is a key player Mm -hmm. in the show or or at least uh for one of tommy's business interests right yeah and so he goes to the library that ada's working at which is an odd job for ada to have i was gonna say ada the librarian i don't think of Again, like something I've, I never remembered. I didn't remember her being a librarian mm-hmm. either. Tommy kind of calls her out in it, though. He's he's She's You're being boring. nosy about what happened to the Russian she met at the wedding. Yeah. 
because she knows he's dead. Mm-hmm. But he tells her, you want all the details because you're bored. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't deny it. She even associates the trucks and she says, our trucks, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she has a, a bit of a moment there with Tommy, which uh, of all the laws that Tommy doesn't break, the only one the only one he obeys is to not rip out a page out of a book yeah, in the know, library. Right? <laughs> he asks her, can I rip this page out of the out of this book? And she says, no, that's the people's property. And he listens. He does not rip the page out of the book. Yeah. Interesting. It is. It is. I mean, I don't think he obeys any laws. Really cool library too, by the oh way. Oh my God. I know. I wish there was something like that over here. I'd live yeah. in it. Not literally. You'd live there. I'd, just like I'd be there a lot. Put a cot... Just let hope they forget about you at night and just like kind of sleep up there. Yeah. No, I mean, I would just read yeah. as much as I could in there. I yeah. love the old classic looking books like that. Uh, just kind of glossing over this scene with John Boy and Polly. Polly plays the role of the intermediary here. Mm-hmm. She's trying to talk John Boy off a ledge because she sees the coming strife between the Changretas and the Shelbys and she sees it as unnecessary. Yeah. And I mean, I got my, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like she really wants to be careful with what's going on here because now her son's involved with the business. They're not a family to be messed with. Yeah. I think I got my wish here from season, from episode one, which is I want to see Polly more in strategic Mm. business centered moments. Right. Yeah. And she gets a lot of uh, play here as the level head. And she's absolutely right. She's 100% right. Yeah, I agree with in my her opinion. in this episode. I was, I was uh, like I said earlier, I was just taken aback by Tommy's reaction. She wasn't even saying do a full apology. It was more of just, a, just, just compromise. Which, of all the moments, I understand John Boy here. Like, at this point, John Boy said what he said. Yeah. But now you got Changreta saying he's going to kill him. Mm-hmm. And then he's got to deal with Lizzie saying an apology on his behalf. Mm-hmm. Like at this point, I understand John Boy's rage at the situation that he's put himself yeah. in. I think he regrets the words he said to Changreta. He didn't. He was hoping it wouldn't go over that badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but he's annoyed that Arthur's taken a side against him here. And surprisingly... I don't know if it's what we said where John Boy took the card away from Tommy to keep the peace, mm-hmm. but Tommy agrees with him. Tommy's at fault here too for the whole uh, assassin coming. Yeah. In some sense, right? Because he could have went to Changreta and said, listen, um, apologies, this, nothing will happen again, blah, blah, blah. But no, he doubled down and said, we're going to take two bars tonight mm-hmm. and we're going to send a message that rebellion will not be accepted here. Yeah. All right, to the Ritz Hotel with a very annoyed front desk. Uh, I don't know what you would call this. Uh, I never remember what they are. I forget what they're what the term, whatever the hell. It is. Anyways, the hotel worker, <laughs> uh, the concierge. Maybe. I don't know. Hotel clerk. Well, he wants Tommy to know that, hey, look, uh, your pal Romanov, he's got like four outstanding bills with us right now. And he's really only being paid for by the Duke of something or other, which I could not catch his name. Me neither. Uh, Duke Mikhailov or something like that. Tommy pulls out a wad of cash and says, hey, get used to seeing me here. And pays for Romanov's debt. It's a good way to make Go ahead. 
you know, Tommy in meeting with him here, it's funny because Tommy says, get used to seeing me dine here as he has no food in front of him in meeting with Romanov. I mean, Tommy does not eat on this no, show. So doesn't. what is he, what is he going to get used to seeing him dine? <laughs> what are you going to, he's just going to sit at the table and do nothing. I guess yeah. that's how, how you dine. But the, you know, there is a business in, in business etiquette or if you want to say negotiations or whatever, mm-hmm. You don't want to be the hungriest at the table, you know, and you don't want to be eating and, you know, if you're like in negotiation or kind of, yeah. I don't know if it, that you look weak, but you just look kind of sloppy. Well, you do look sloppy you know? too. I personally think it's that you look weak. Like you're, you're like, all, all you're really caring about is food, especially if, if the you're free eating meal. like this guy is. My gosh, you look cheap, poor. Yeah, I think, I think it's more along the lines of like, if the meal's free and you're like, this guy who's just chomping at the bit, mm-hmm. ordering the most expensive thing on the menu yeah. with the caviar. It says a lot about him without saying, anything. without him having yeah. to say anything, right? And Tommy, on the other hand, has no plate of food in front of him, smoking a cigarette, and just once again disgusted by the second meeting of his day. <laughs> uh, perhaps the most, uh, the best meeting of his day was with uh, Nutley. I uh, think the so. The manager of the <laughs> warehouse. At least he had a Tommy smile on that at some yeah. point, I think. Yeah, Tommy cuts straight to the chase here. Uh, he lets Leon know that he knows that he's not a pure Romanov and that he's living essentially out of pity by the uh, by the British government mm-hmm. that's paying for these these exiled royals, right? Yeah. Uh, but you can see this guy is is out of his depths here. You know, yeah. he's he's obviously a pawn because we see later that his wife is the real boss. She's bossing him around and ringing a bell for him to come into the room, uh, <laughs> which is hilarious. But it's clear he's not, he's just, he's a very sloppy individual. He even loses his composure when Tommy calls him a Georgian and he breaks his glass with his bare fist or bare hand he and broke cuts his, his hand. Bare hand. I mean, listen, I, I've squeezed the glass before and it's a lot harder. Like you have to intentionally want to break that glass, I think. Like, I don't know how you just reactionary like, whoops, well, I didn't mean to break it. Yeah, Tommy's cut into the BS because he's already done a lot of work for them mm-hmm. and he's not getting paid the full amount that he was promised. But the Russian does give him a sapphire that we do find out later that was cursed by a gypsy. But knowing Tatiana, she could be talking shit. It could just be some nonsense folktale. She could be. Now, do you think he's giving it to him with the ill intent of it being cursed and, and bringing some misfortune upon him? I don't know. I, I'm not really sure. It could just be superstition and it, it may not be even cursed. I think he just doesn't have a pot to piss in and he's just using whatever the, treasures they have left. Yeah, the only thing that he has. I find it yeah. weird to talk about the delivery of <laughs> this into the world before uh, he gives it to Tommy, but great. Well, they had to smuggle it out, so yeah. the women had to put it in their in their private areas. Mm-hmm to smuggle it in here right they fit two sapphire what i found in- interesting was how he described how many his wife could bring in yeah. compared to his his niece <laughs> who is tatiana his niece is tatiana right his niece yeah. is tatiana yeah yeah That's yeah funny. she's a firecracker <laughs> on to john boys you did you notice tommy kind of like baiting out information as to where they where they store yeah, i did the treasures i did i i was surprised that this guy like he must be kind of weak-minded to give up that much in my opinion. It's so clear to me that Tommy has a play there, you know. Why on earth would you give that up? But it seems that he also told Tommy, we will no longer be soft and weak. So I think he's also replying to Tommy's baiting of information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
The following scene, we have Changretta getting cut up by John Boy. It's so unnecessary. I know. John Boy just he just beats the shit out of what his guard, and then I'm sure oh this guy's no Boy Scout. You know what I mean? I don't feel bad for him necessarily, but after all, as Tommy says, they did want to kill Danny Wisbang, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That reminds me. So, did Danny Wisbang kill a Changretta in season one? That must have been. No, he killed. He killed an Italian restaurant owner. I don't know if he was a Changretta though. I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, I guess they would have been paying the Changrettas for protection or something. I don't really know. I do like the fact that everything's kind of connected in some ways. Yeah. On to the office. Michael only gets one scene here, and it's this room that has a. I'm assuming that light's kind of annoying at times. I would imagine so, yeah. I mean, I've, I I've would been hate in to work with the light like that. I've been in offices where the light kind of cuts in like that, and it's just like, oh, my gosh. It's such it a does pain. look cool on camera, oh, it but does. he has a exactly. he has a girl he snuck in there, which is the girl who was playing in the snow mm-hmm. and uh, at Tommy's wedding. So it seems like she's taking a liking to uh, Mr. Michael Gray, the uh, chief accountant of Shelby Limited. <laughs> Shelby Company Limited. Yeah. All right. Potentially my favorite scene of the episode is the is the sit down with John Boy and Tommy's surprise because I, I mean after all these watches I never I I forgot that Tommy took this kind of curveball stance so did I on the Changretas I love his response to Polly when she's like why why are we doing this and he says hey because we can and if we can we do. <laughs> Oh at God. that point i was like hell yeah man take the bars but in my head i'm like yeah this is stupid this is a bad decision but you got the yeah. spirit that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah and what's super shitty here is that arthur is trying to help john boy off the hook because tommy's almost like the reprimanding father here yeah who's you know talking to his boys and uh, arthur's trying to say man it was just a joke you know john didn't think it would go this far mm-hmm. and john completely stays silent as arthur's getting rung into by tommy yep so you know, not a not a great episode for Arthur it's, in this. But it's not. He's getting beat up on all corners by his own by his family, his wife, everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's very conflicted in this season uh, with how to live at this point. Yeah. Tommy here is very against the whole apologize because he calls he calls Arthur Mister apologize and Polly misses compromise. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> best best part of it right here yeah i yeah. you just can't show weakness I, I get it once it's gone this far i get it i you don't want to get in a meeting with tommy late in the day no tired he's tommy. been up since like 5 a.m or 4 a.m with mr nutley and yeah. then straight to mr hughes and then to london with the ritz and then back to his house in the country i mean he's had a long ass day He's busy. It makes me wonder how he gets anything done, though. It's a lot of meetings. I mean, you should relate. You have meetings all yeah, day. It's true. Do you get anything it's done? I do. All right. <laughs> there all right. you go. See, it's tired. I, I have these dumb ideas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cynical on meetings. I would say that if you have that many meetings in a day, unless you got a team to follow through, but Tommy has the team to follow through. So do I. I guess that's how stuff gets yeah. done. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you can do those meetings and you give a plan of action, then you do it. Mm-hmm. Like Tommy does right here with, hey, take the two bars. Yep. He doesn't go and take the two bars. He says, you're going to take the, I don't know what the two bars. He said the five bells and something else. 
and he just goes home. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not the one leaving his family dinner. It's Arthur who's leaving his family dinner to go take these bars. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I don't know what the name of the woman is who's married to Leon Romanov, but uh, she's she's the one who runs the show behind the scenes. She's just using him because probably in this portion of society, uh, she's running through customs and being the woman. Uh, she doesn't want to. Man, who knows? I don't know what the hell her motives are. I Maybe she know. just feels that she's got to go through the man, through this thing. But she totally runs the man here. Oh yeah. So he he seems very weak. I, I like I like the uh, in, yeah. introduction of of her here, ringing the bell, and he runs in like a. Yeah, the bell is great. Puppy. I mean, the bell is like, <laughs> <laughs> and he comes running in like out of breath. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh. Man. But he, you know, he just looks weak. I hate to dunk on this random actor, but I mean, he does a good job at looking very like, you know, he plays the part well. I'll he just does. say that. He does. She looks so tired too. Just so tired of dealing with him, even having to just yeah. put up with his ass, even to take the little effort of ringing the bell. It's just it's too much. Too much. <laughs> she she I, has I mean, this look of disgust in her face as she talks to him. I did laugh out loud though. She said, at the end of this business, you may need to kill Tommy Shelby. And I'm like, this guy's going to kill Tommy Shelby. Get the, f- <laughs> get out of here. Get out of here with hey, that. I mean, these people got connections, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we get to see the Shelby home life. We haven't seen the Shelby, Tommy Grace home life other than the wedding. Yeah. Which was not a normal affair. No, it's a party. And, man. uh, you know, you love to see Grace kind of excited to see Tommy on the way home, but, uh, She's so excited with the charity that she has going on. She's telling him all about it. And mm-hmm. he just seems happy to be home and see her. He's not really listening. but No, he, he's uh, happy that she's happy. Exactly. It's one of those situations. Well, he does surprise her with a sapphire, which he had time in his day to get necklaced up at, at some point mm-hmm. and prepped in the same day. I mean, so, you got a lot of money. You can get things done. Yeah. You just, you know, like, like we we're saying, how does he get all this done in one day? Does he sleep? He does Doesn't sleep. He? We do see him sleep. I mean, we've seen him get out of bed with women in the last episode, last season. Did we? Yeah. Oh, last, last season. season. Yeah, last season. That was the last episode. This is wedding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I mean, <laughs> he wasn't sleeping in the last one. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, Grace is excited to have the Birmingham City Council leader coming and... Uh, I had to mention that Hughes did say he wanted to be at the charity dinner. So we can expect to see some unwelcome faces Mm -hmm. that Tommy's having to deal with now. I think what's happening here is it feels almost like, you know, Breaking Bad. It's like it felt like family and business was getting too close together. Like the business is getting too close to affecting the personal life here. Mm -hmm. That's what it feels like with Tommy and the Russian business and the economically or whatever that was Section D. Yeah business that he's in it feels like it's getting too close to hitting home here yeah it's too close for comfort i mean he had russians in his home that's pretty close on his wedding day he had to kill a russian yeah a russian infiltrator that's just craziness uh on the other side of this arthur is at home as well but with a wife who's not as happy to see him or accept him for who he is and rather someone who says Working in the darks for the devil, we said, we said, we said is the kicker there, you know. Uh, perhaps line of the episode is when Grace said, is that in good taste to wear a sapphire to a charity dinner? And he, and Tommy replies, good taste is for people who can't afford sapphires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That's hilarious. Arthur has to step out from the dinner with Linda uh, to do paperwork. 
according to Arthur. That's his excuse. Arthur has zero poker face around Linda. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm just stepping out to do paperwork. At 10 p.m., it's pouring rain outside. You're going to go do paperwork? <laughs> I mean, I'll go do paperwork in the rain. Arthur doing paperwork? Arthur. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> and he looks so disturbed. He always he looks really, destroyed when, she, when he's around her. Does he when he's around her? I mean, or is it because Tommy kind of... Tommy kind of called him out, and I think he's pissed about that. Well, you know, Tommy, Tommy, I'm mean, not Tommy. Arthur does at times act like a wounded child, like somebody who, yeah, you know, somebody yelled yeah. at him, and he's all hurt. So he's got he's got Tommy, who's very controlling. I mean, he's he's in charge. He's the he's the boss, yelling at him, and then he comes home, mm-hmm. and I'm sure his 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 wife is just pissed off with him because he's out doing the devil's work yeah he always looks a bit well, distraught he i mean he's just very conflicted in this season i mean then again he does he's always going through some personal mm-hmm. conflict and even in the prior two seasons as well yeah uh we do get a montage here of the of the peaky boys taking over the changreta property or the bars and uh arthur opting out opting not to go out for drinks with John Boy, which John Boy and Arthur are just not on the same page. I think this is like, you know, your college friend who's not matured and he wants to go to the bar after the thing. And he's like, hey, man, yes. let's go to the garrison. And you're like, hey, I'm going to head out. I got to work in the morning. Mm-hmm. And he's not happy with you because you're, you're, you know, being yeah. responsible. Sounds That sounds like a personal story there. Have you been there before? Um... No, not really. <laughs> I don't deal. I don't deal well with petty people. Me like neither. If they if they get petty, it's it's just a, uh, you know, okay, yeah, no worries, man. And you know, kind of take note. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Chang- but Changreta screaming too much here. A little bit. I mean, this is for not some a re- fresh wound anymore, right? This is like the next for, day. <laughs> for some reason, in my head, I'm, I remembered his father being like, "Can you shut him up?" <laughs> I I remembered that because he's he's screaming and it's so annoying. All right, here's the gut punch scene for me. You get this beautiful family day day out by the stables here with Grace, Tommy, and Charlie, mm-hmm, the gold which we've yet to really see. Um, I'm not sure whose child this is, but it's definitely not theirs. Uh, it looks nothing like either of them. <laughs> <laughs> this little boy. And we get the goldfish scene. R.I.P. May Carlton. Yeah, I know. Uh, you know what, though? I'm happy to, this that's why it's such a gut punch because to me it's one of these scenes where you know you just you want so, you want a good healthy family life for for the shelby family you know mm-hmm. speaking of shelby's esme and john boy having sex in the office the betting shop how many people has tommy walked in on having sex i think on john boy he's twice. walked in on them like twice this is the second yeah. time i swear this is the second time yeah um john boy almost shot him the first time yeah um thoughts on this whole scotland yard thing i i had forgotten about this as well i thought it was the italians at first and then i remembered it was the section d making a statement i i completely forgot about it honestly i love the scene with hughes and tommy in the in the prison cell Mm -hmm. and the whole i can charm dogs and the dogs i can't charm i I killed my bare hands (laughs) he says and then he goes you get you learn how to do it when you're on a boat with a dog. They go crazy in the tunnels. 
I feel like I'm kind of in a tunnel right now. And he says, kill or be killed. It's like a great bit of work here. It's just like you want him to grab Hughes by the throat here. Oh you know, it's gosh. like one of those scenes. And he brings a Doberman pincher. Yeah. Another evil I think what, dog. what makes it most disturbing is that he's a priest. Yeah. Yeah. It like really adds Campbell, to his pedophile sort of personality. Yeah, I didn't want to go there. But, uh, you know, he definitely plays up to the stereotype. That's, of the, that's what I'm talking about. Of the, of the generalization. But you he, and Tommy plays it that here, too, with the dog. All right? Yeah. I was hoping he would charm the dog and the dog would attack you. That would be hilarious. He is a, hey, he's a gypsy. He's I felt, an animal person. I felt like somehow, even though Hughes had a a killer Doberman mm-hmm. in his possession, that he still felt like he was threatened. Like he felt a little scared. He looks scared to me here. He he looks a little bouncy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they when they do those close ups on Tommy, where he says that he can charm dogs. Mm-hmm. It like it disturbs him. He looks like a little bit, you know, concerned for his life. Like what is this guy gonna do? Because at the end of the day, they can't kill Tommy, and that's the whole point of what Tommy's doing. Mm-hmm. Is he says you can't kill me or you don't want to kill me at this point because mm-hmm. I would have been already dead. Yeah. Uh, but the most disturbing part of the scene is that uh, Hughes kind of gets the last. I wouldn't say the last laugh because he definitely breaks like gangster code or man code, and he says, "Check under your boy's pillow." Yeah, that's which considering considering far. the the undertones of the of the pedo stuff here, mm-hmm. sensitive territory, you know. I, I'm surprised Tommy in this scene didn't do anything, which shows how in deep he is with these people. Yeah, that he has to put up with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think season one or two Tommy would put up with it. But at the same time, he wouldn't be. In no, he had to. Remember season one, he picks up that coin for Kimber. Kimber says, "Pick it up." Yeah, yeah, he does do that. And John Boy wants to go forward, or Arthur wants to go forward and fight him, and he says, mm, "Tommy has." bitten the bullet on times and done things he didn't want to do he has i i feel like it, it's always been because he knows he's outmatched at that point in time of course it's like i can pick up battle now and i might win mm-hmm. this 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 battle but i'm gonna lose the war here exactly that's what it is but uh they do send a message to him threatening the life of, of little charles here it's, it's really sad it's a scary scene actually like who the hell put the card there yeah it's the fact you know that who it, infiltrated the house like you were, that they could get to you in your safe place. Oh yeah, I mean it's like we were saying earlier. It's the business has gotten too close to the family. Now it's literally under your son's pillow. It made me feel like if you're this unsafe with this business right now, maybe you should move the family back to Birmingham mm-hmm. where you have a little more control. Feels like Tommy's very much isolated from the family at this point. Yeah, he's in a big house in the countryside. I'd say you take a nice flight in Birmingham and you just uh, kind of camp out there until this whole thing is done, you know? I mean, you got a lot more men in Birmingham than you do at home. It's, it's literally just his family and what, like a maid? Mm-hmm. And who knows if that maid's even on your side because maybe it was her who put the card there. Yeah. We don't know. The bottom line is we don't know who who did it, mm-hmm. right? The random portrait artist. I still, this guy's mad tall. When he stands up, he looks huge. I mean, he looks big uh, sitting down. Yeah, I still don't know what his his gig is or how he fits into this season maybe Maybe it'll be apparent to me later in the season it might be but he is a random character who shows up randomly to tommy's wedding 
and seems to be just a plot device for Polly. Like one last chance at love type of thing, you know? Yeah. It does it does have that feeling. Um I don't like he came out of nowhere. I just don't understand how a portrait artist gets an invite to Shelby's wedding. The whole He's not a famous portrait artist. No. He's not like he's not like a renowned painter or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um what do you think about Polly all dolled up? Is this she is looks, this in character though? She looks pretty. Um it's it's the other side of Polly. You know, Polly's equal badass, equal equal mom, equal, you know, she's a kind of like all in one, you know? Yeah. And she that's that's the kind of I think maybe that's one of the reasons for his character is to show this the soft side of Polly, you know? I could see that. I could see that. He's giving her confidence. It's a confidence that she obviously did not have in herself. Uh, as she as you see her kind of like prep herself or like give herself a pep talk Mm -hmm. wearing the same dress because when she comes down she feels insecure in the dress and he says no you own that dress Mm -hmm. you own that dress because she she says that her mother stole it in 1901 Ah. when she was cleaning the house of a rich woman (laughs) and he says no you own that dress that dress was made for you he he says i've painted plenty of rich girls who didn't who didn't belong in the dresses they wore or something like that. So he's really like charming it up mm-hmm. to the point that Ada invites him to the charity dinner. <laughs> Ada likes him. You know, I mean, it's he, a, he seems like a nice guy. He seems he's like a, a nice odd. guy. He's a little he seems odd. like a nice guy. I don't think he's odd. I think it's odd how he showed up. Fair enough. But but he is kind of odd as well. You know, like in his, eh, I just I think he's random. That he is. That, that is for sure. Yeah. So is Polly starting to see herself as a woman of substance and class, which is kind of like that imposter syndrome. And it's kind of, you feel it in this charity dinner in mm-hmm. a sense, like what are the Peaky Blinders doing in a posh, <laughs> yeah. snobby environment like this? And it was like my first like gut reaction was, why do they want this? Mm-hmm. There's nothing appealing of this. T- you know, this does not look appealing to me. Oh, yeah? You know? It doesn't. <laughs> Think about it. If you were in the position of, of Tommy... You're just saving face. The charity is kind of like a shell. Oh, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't you know, want to do that. Why do you want this BS? You gotta. You're dealing with people like the with the Section D, but I think it's inevitable as you grow in Tommy's position. You have to deal with different types of criminals, and the criminals he's used to are gangsters. He's not used to MPs and yeah. priests and freaking army uh, captains. It's a whole other class being, of crime. You know, yeah. Which is, I think, probably trickier because they have they their webs go into the the legit, you know. Yeah, they own Scotland Yard as they sent that message to Tommy, right? I find it odd, honestly, that this priest is just always in these situations with these high class people. I, I don't see where the priest fits in here. Me neither. That's what. Like, why? Unless, why would any priest be here in all places? Even if you're a friend, like. It just seems odd. You have to think about what position the church had in society back then. I, I'm, it was a much bigger role back then, probably in England, mm-hmm. right? So, but maybe he is a who knows what he is, like rank wise, and the priest, right? Maybe he is a high level priest or whatever. Yeah, and that's why he's in this. This guy's an MP. MP. His name is Patrick Jarvis, I believe. I think that's what what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they meet in a dark room where you would expect people to meet, which is kind of conspicuous because I feel like anybody could just be hiding out behind one of those little dark benches and hear everything. Or standing behind a column. Yeah. Seems like a very acoustically sound room, like where the sound would carry, you know? Oh, yeah. 
So interesting place to talk about the strategy of getting the military weapons to the Russians. Uh, they're once again uh, pulling uh, a dominating move here on Tommy, mm-hmm. making him take Tatiana to go see the military vehicles, which Tommy is opposed to. Mm. Whether it's BS as to the risk of taking her there or whether it's because he thinks it's a bad move in the game of chess that he's playing right now mm-hmm. is unclear for me. Unclear. I'm not sure either. It, is this does this guy from the same place that Campbell's from? Because he has like a Scottish accent. Hughes. Mm. Are all are all of our key enemies going to be like uh, <laughs> Scottish? I'm not sure. Let me let me see where he is from. Tommy lets him know. He says, "Hey, there's a hell, and then there's a place below hell." And I'm forgetting nothing, you know, mm-hmm. which, you know, you root for Tommy in this situation because oddly, although he's a bad guy to guys like Nutley, mm-hmm. which he's really not because he's attempting to do something on behalf of um, the good of the country. He's, a, he's just being the silent warrior about it. Nobody knows. He's kind of bending the rules for the greater good in some sense, right? Yeah. Uh, and in this situation, the same thing. Father you know, he's Hughes. doing bad things to do, to, doing bad things to, uh, for a good purpose, I guess. At the end, Father, but what Hughes that purpose is, is I don't know. Sorry, Ireland. Okay, yeah, Ireland. Uh, yeah, I, I guess no connection then. I don't think so. Duchess or Princess Tatiana shows up and uh, causes havoc here. Grace goes into spy mode in their little dialogue with each other. Uh, obviously, realizing that Tommy and her know each other, but uh, to what degree? Um, sure she's not aware of yet and will not become aware of because of what is going to occur now tatiana here talks to tommy and i think he she's a little bit maybe embarrassed that she's getting rejected because the the uncle sent her there to seduce tommy Mm -hmm. and he it's not working yeah she she probably feels like she's failing at her job i also think and so it's, she says that it's odd line. to use your niece as like a sexual pawn in some sort of scheme but slightly odd right you know whatever floats your boat i guess jesus um <laughs> tatiana ends it with that little line about the the sapphire necklace being cursed by a gypsy mm-hmm. which i think she's just playing a card that she knows that's a softball to tommy maybe that he's superstitious uh but could very likely be that it was cursed by a gypsy. It could be. You know the Romanovs have a very violent, uh, unlucky uh, past. You never heard about the Romanovs? Like they, they all die. I am not as accustomed to the stories of the Russians and the Bolsheviks and all of that as as you are. Yeah, so you no, get, I'm not. You got, you got to look up the Romanovs. I think it's the Romanovs with Rasputin. It's a very weird, some weird witchcrafty weird stuff. Oh yeah. Kind of reminds me of a scene that I can't talk about. Oh. Okay. By the way, and you know the scene it is because uh, it's in the notes. I think I know. And it's a uh, you know it has those vibes. But let's talk about. Tommy rushing back to Grace to get the sapphire off her neck, but not in time because in the moment that he's about to do it or walk away with her, Changreta's assassin appears to avenge Angel, which is not eye for an eye. Angel did not die. He got cut up. Yeah. He got his face cut and that was about it. And by the way, oh. 
if you're gonna kill somebody you gotta kill all three of the brothers if you're these people oh yeah because you can't kill one you're dead regardless so what are you doing your son's gonna die Mm -hmm. you know at least i don't remember if he does or not but i don't want to go there uh but you get what i'm saying like if you're gonna go down that route you, you got to do the full out. thing. You got to wipe them all out. It's suicide that's it. otherwise, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Yeah, this is suicide as the as Finn, John and Arthur beat the living hell out of this guy and we see Tatiana just standing there uh just in the whole madness of the scene. This this episode just ends in utter chaos. It's crazy. Yeah. It almost didn't feel right to bring in the red right hand as the song right after the no. episode. <laughs> it felt like so it's so upbeat that it's like Mm. Y'all, I, I y'all are gonna gut punch me like that. You're gonna you're gonna set me up with like Tommy having a happy life and then just punch me right in the gut. She got shot. But this is the right and like this the is the peaky. It's crazy. Yeah, right. Yeah, she got shot like higher, not the heart. Yeah. Um. So we'll see what happens with her in, in episode three. <laughs> but um. This is like the peaky. What's the word I'm looking for? Pattern. The peaky pattern. That should have been the name of the podcast. <laughs> Peaky Pattern. <laughs> that's, our, that's our analysis breakdown <laughs> podcast of the Peaky Podcast. Um, it's the pattern. It's like things are okay, and then Tommy's ambitions get them into more difficult entanglements. Mm-hmm. I sound like Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> uh, but, you know, he gets tangled up in a bunch of different things. He bites off more than he can chew. Yeah. And then you find yourself in episode three. <laughs> you find yourself in episode three with the Changretas against him. The section D. Uh, the Russians that are kind of like weird. You know, mm-hmm. she says, you know, Tatiana says, the we Russians have no morals, which I'm sure every Russian was like, what the f- We got some. We got at least some. At least <laughs> yeah. some. You know, yeah. don't generalize us. Anyways, uh, not a good episode for Russians, you know. And gen- Why are Russians always used as the ploys or as like the bad guys on shows and movies it's i don't really know i mean i'm sure part of it just has to do with the history there the the constant feuding or not well i guess feuding is the wrong term but like warring and and battles that have been going Mm -hmm. on i'm assuming Mm -hmm. that's that's part of it and i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised i'm not saying this is what i think but i wouldn't be surprised if it was um kind of like a almost like political campaigning against russians you know during during the wars yeah that kind of started this whole well let's just use that mm-hmm. sort of aspect I, I don't know i don't know i mean it seems like the, the history of their uh their dark sides go back quite a while yeah i mean this is the cliffhanger and cliffhanger ending is is grace just shot and we don't know what happens to her mm-hmm. at the end of this episode which leads us to episode three and the end of episode two yeah so zach overall impressions of the episode and uh you're the leader of the categories so well honestly the episode was much better than i remembered so i I was i was fine better so why better i just thought it was boring the first time the first why elaborate on boring elaborate on boring you want me to define those are two those are those are two blanket two blanket words they don't work for me yeah whatever um the first now the first time that we watched this or i watched this it just seemed like a little dull these two seasons felt a little drawn out and slow mm-hmm. but i like rewatching it i don't get that feeling at all like so much has happened in these two episodes alone 
why do you feel like it's slow like what is the what is, what about the plot feels slower than seasons one and two because i'm in agreement like season four is not my favorite it, it feels more it, it feels more business oriented i don't i don't even know because seasons one and two are very they're they're business oriented but they're the gangster like you got the you've got gangster tommy here you you have a a, a more I want to say more methodical Tommy as he's running a business now, right? A bigger mm-hmm. business, a business that now has a legitimate side of things that has scaled up and grown. Yeah. Like essentially his plots are taking longer Yeah, to, to come to fruition. That's, that's kind of what it feels like to me. Although if I had to rebuttal, Tommy's strategy takes all of season one and two to come to fruition. It doesn't get resolved in season one. Season one ends with very open-ended uh, a gunshot on a train station. It does, and I was also going to mention that it's, it's interesting that this is the second cliffhanger that we've had with Grace and a gunshot. Ah, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's true that, that the, the whole overarching like story wasn't completed in season one. It took the two seasons. However that primary villain was you know done in season one not campbell not really not campbell not really kind of like a history of like not resolving in one season like peaky plots if they're going to get more complicated from here on out extend past one season and sometimes may not get resolved or not necessarily that they don't get resolved, but some characters may fall off the map. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Billy Kimber did die in, in season one. Yeah, so but Sabini's off the map Sabini now. Sabini right? is off the map. Sabini didn't die, but he was. What he was arrested or something happened? Or no, no he wasn't arrested. No, that was that was Tommy was taken away. The other thing that I would mention about about this season so far that. I couldn't really appreciate the first time that I watched it was the appreciation for, for the setups that are starting to take place in the season. I'm trying not to give anything yeah. away. Um, so I'm not going to like dive deeper into that, but uh, I, I, I do appreciate what I am seeing set up in this season. And it is, it's making me look forward to finishing the rewatch of, of season four as well. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that. I'm not seeing as many setups as you are. I'm seeing similarities. I'm seeing a direction that Peaky's going in now compared to a season one and two. Mm-hmm. The set pieces feel larger. The budgets feel bigger. Um, everything just feels more grand mm-hmm. about Peaky Blinders than season one and two. Season one and two, you get, you know, the office. Not many. I don't recall a ton of locations in season one for specifically. Uh, which is normal for a, a, a like a pilot show, right? Yeah, it's it's pr- typically pretty slim. Yeah. All right, let's get into the categories. All right, best scene. Best scene is probably in the prison cell with Hughes. In my opinion, that was good. That was good. I I like the whole dog thing and the charming the dog is it's a it's a to- classic Tommyist. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't I don't want to say the last scene because the last scene is is not 
I mean, a lot happens. It's it's important, but it's not like great in any way. I kind of found the family meeting, yeah, interesting as the as the one that stood out to me probably the, the most because it was just the, the most shocking to me. I also like the opening scene with Nutley in the in the factory. That scene gave me some thoughts of another scene that I won't talk about. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know, but it's it's a good scene. It sets it up, and it's like when Tommy has to step in. That means that this guy has not taken the warning from the other people he sent. Tommy's like the last resort guy to go in there. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like the impression I got. Mm-hmm. All right, next up, best line of the episode. Um, you can piss outside by the stable. <laughs> no, it's the sapphire line. It's the. Good taste is for people who can't afford sapphires. That's that's the line of the episode it, right it, there. It is a great line. I think uh, I think my favorite was the when we can, we do line from, yeah, from Tommy. Yeah. That was great. Hi. Yeah, he goes, hey. <laughs> All that right. was good. All right. Good. Last one is best characters of the episode. I gotta say, John Boy gets some shine. John although Boy's I hated all his pick. decisions, I hated his I hated his decisions. But it's the most shine I think he's gotten in a little while. So I would give this maybe one ever. Um, yeah, maybe. No, no. I I don't. Well, no. In season one, when he had his, uh, he had his moments. He was with all of the brothers. This is this is the one where he's kind of been out on his own. I feel like we can just always blanket Tommy in there, but I'm gonna go with Paulie as well. Polly has a solid episode here. Just solid showing out. She did. Party she did Polly. have a good moment. Um, I don't think I could give it to um, Librarian Ada. It's an interesting. Uh, no. It's interesting to see her that way, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say this was like a, a great one for her. Although I, I, go ahead. I did like the moment of her in the library when she's on the ladder and she goes. Here's the retelling of the Bolshevik Revolution mm-hmm. from the bastards who did, yeah. from the bastards who escaped and from the people who suffered. Yeah. He says, which one do you want? <laughs> he takes the one from the bastards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyways. <laughs> that was funny. I think uh, I think if I had to give give a second one out, it would it would probably be Arthur, because it's interesting to see his character conflicted. Yes. It's he he really does feel very conflicted, especially as he's around Linda. We got to give some, you know, I know we don't like him, but Hughes does a good job at being, of being introduced as the immediate despicable character. Yeah, he does. Um, he is a very hateful I can't, character. As of right now, does Tommy really have an, another enemy besides him at the moment? Like a real enemy that has a face to him? Because I wouldn't even put that guy Jarvis at his level because he's only shown at the charity dinner for a second. I mean... I would say the Shangretas at this point. Yeah, but, but that, they're not on his... That's like uh, self-inflicted. Self-inflicted and Tommy can deal with them. Mm-hmm. So that one I'm not... I wouldn't put it there level. So I got to give it to Hughes, although he is the most despicable character in all of Peaky Blinders, maybe. I'll tell you what. Campbell and Hughes, those actors Campbell may- can really make some pretty hateable characters. Yeah, but Campbell's a, a Boy Scout compared to this guy. Like, uh, Campbell's invited to the cookout. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself because I've watched <laughs> season three. So, you know, it's, 
it's tough. I'm sorry, listeners out there who are watching for the first time, but it's hard to keep my Hughes hatred inside. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that that does it for the superlatives, as you like to call them. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right. Uh, well, you do the little. I will do the little the outro. I will do the little outro. Thank you, everybody, for listening to season three episode two of the peaky blinders podcast by story archives you can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify podcast uh you can visit us on instagram at story archives you can visit a website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com and if you go to themidnightexchange.com you will find a bunch of links to other podcasts social media and if you want to send us an email you can drop us an email at podcast at themidnightexchange.com and if you enjoyed listening to these episodes and enjoy our, our shows and style of of uh, entertaining you all episode to episode, please take two seconds and uh, rate our podcast. Uh, I mean, rate it what you want. Hopefully not one star, but like give us, you know, four or five, you know, <laughs> I'd would be good. It. It, it really helps, helps us get found and uh, helps us, uh, allows us to put more effort into these podcasts and prepar- preparing them for you so that you can enjoy them. As you listen to them, wherever you listen to them, however you listen to them. All right. Thank you for tuning into this one. On to episode three, Zach. We are officially about to be midway through season three and almost done with our whole Peaky Blinders uh, show. That's true. It's coming up. It's counting down. Thanks, y'all. Stay peaky. <laughs>